Oh, music. Music is the the magic that makes the world go round. I got there. We got there in the end. What's up, everybody? Elliot Lane and Javier Haas out of Argentina, international man of mystery, here to bring you your cannabis news. Honestly, a lot happening stock-wise. But that being said, just so you know what you're watching, uh, if you're listening to this later on a podcast, appreciate you tuning in. Let us know what you think. Rate, review us uh, if you're watching now. Uh, Stay tuned. Cannabis Insider gives you a wider view of the cannabis space so you can invest like an ace. <laughs> I'm going to start doing some free He's rapping. He's rapping again. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Honestly, it, Javi raps like a mofo. He does great product reviews. Javi, you got a product review for us today, man? Oh, we could. I would be happy to review a product. Actually. Right? All right. So stay tuned. Javi's going to drop a product review, uh, you know, in terms of what he's liking uh, in in the current uh, product category. Brandon Lee, what's up? Thanks for tuning in, man. Appreciate you guys. If you're watching live, drop a what's up in the chat. Let us know what cannabis stocks you're watching. I think it's going to be a big week uh, for some international movement. Probably Tilray uh, is going to move one way or the other. You see Alan Brockstein's uh, note uh, about that predicting Tilray, their stock is going to crash after their earnings report this week. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. no financial advice here. I'm not saying I believe it one way or the other. However, he's predicting a terrible earnings for Q4 and the fiscal year. Uh, and he is not predicting um, that shareholders will be pleased. Here we have our own earnings preview at Benzinga. I'm going to share a link yeah. in the chats. By the way, that's T-L-R-Y on the NASDAQ uh, as a stock so we're talking about. tomorrow, right? Uh, after the market, I believe. Yeah. So essentially, so, yeah. I mean, Thursday. so analysts estimate EPS, uh, negative EPS, of course, of 0.05. Um, int- interesting, uh, interesting stuff here. I'm I'm looking over at the at the predictions. I hadn't checked them out just yet. Um, well, we'll see what happens. You know, I, and, and Brandon Lee's point. You know, <laughs> I I don't necessarily think you're wrong. To think that I don't think you would be right to say Brandon is wrong. Uh, we just don't know one way or the other, right? We don't know if USMSOs are going to get that that push from the Senate. If they're going to get that push from the HHS, uh, you know, federally. If anything happens federally, then this statement, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. is is fortunately not correct. But Brandon, I mean, historically, like, I mean, who can argue with you? <laughs> like, you know, t- talking about the the political aspect. Uh, uh, I think on Friday, uh, we published uh, an article by Todd Harrison from CV1 Capital looking at a report, one specific report, that says that the vote for safe banking will be pushed till September. Uh, he titled it something like, did the Senate hit this news button? Uh, I think huh. that headline was great. Go check it out on mazinga.com slash cannabis after the show. It, you know what? It really gets me, though. It's not just the Senate. It's the, the Senate Banking Committee. Right, we haven't even made it to the Senate floor, <laughs> right? And then once it hits the Senate floor, if it passes, mm-hmm. uh, then it goes to the House. Who the hell knows what Kevin McCarthy is going to do with that thing? I, I mean, 
there's so many things that have to happen with safe. I'm, you know, and I think rightfully most people are looking toward the HHS for any movement there. But if I would say the one thing uh, congressionally that could move stocks is if that, that next GOP member joins, which will make, uh, I think enough to avoid a filibuster. That would be ideal, man. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, it's, what do you uh, think about today, Javi? What's on your mind, man? What a frustrating process. Uh, some good news <laughs> out of New York over the weekend. Uh, New York, the, the state of New York has approved uh, the first cannabis farmers markets, which will not be called farmers market, but rather cannabis grower showcases. Uh, the markets will be held at various locations across the state and will allow licensed adult use cannabis cultivator to sell their products directly to consumers. That means outside of a dispensary. This is super interesting. On-site consumption, as well as alcohol sales, will be prohibited in these farmers' markets of of sorts. Um, uh, Expected to run until January 1st of 2024 as traditional retailers prepare to open their adult-use dispensaries. It's something. (laughs) I mean, this is like... Yeah, I like it. this it's is like, cool. In the meantime, while you get if ready it was to a sell. long, like, like people just, this is going to be good for some people, but it's not good for like the state market at large, right? You know, th- this isn't going to trick anybody into thinking the New York OCM knows what they're doing. Well, Am I being too harsh, Javi? OCM at the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference coming to Chicago, <laughs> September 27 and 28. Now, ahora mismo, right now. Well, <laughs> and, and you know, John Kagia, right? Yeah, John Kagia. Um, I'm very excited about uh, him joining. He's the director of policy of the OCM, right? He has a very different perspective. You know, listening to him talk about it, um, you know, listening to, you know, say like a Jason Wilde. Uh, talk about New York. I mean, wow. Like, like, I mean, the OCM legitimately thinks that they are doing a good job transitioning from medical to extended access uh, when it comes to marijuana. Um, you know, so obviously, crazy. they're not are doing it based crazy? off of MSOs and what they want. I think, I think it's good, man. Honestly, like, people are super pissed uh, with all like the the process at New- in New York, but uh, I don't think it's terrible. I don't know. I think though. I think it would make more sense if they had more of the card applicant stores open, right? More of these uh, single dispensary stores open, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think what we're up to just over 10 now across the state. What, what, what is taking so long? Have you heard anything like why are the dispensary openings being delayed, right? And, and like, why do we we land on this like kind of patchwork solution? I think capital is part of it. Right. I mean, lack, lack of banking access, lack of equity and, you know, you know, reasonable debt capital for these card and social equity applicants is keeping them from opening their dispensaries. You know, but another aspect of that is just the OCM is moving at a glacial pace Uh, as to what they're waiting for, you know, for some of these dispensaries. I don't really know, but I mean, you've seen what happened with um, the, (laughs) what was it? Empire. It's not a licensed marijuana dispensary. However, from what I've read, they are one of the ones that were granted one of those, uh, I think, like special uh, licenses to the hemp operators, if I'm if I'm getting that right. And and there was no deadline on it. So it's just another aspect. (laughs) Like, when is the deadline on that? Right. Do they just keep their special license? Honestly, I mean, 
a few things here. One is uh, people often forget political processes are complex and complicated. Oh. Everybody and wants something. We want, to, we want like, you know, governments or um, entities to rush regulations. But then we complain when regulations are not perfect. So either we give them time or we uh, accept the fact that regulations will be far from perfect if we want them right now. That is and it's a good point. Yeah, is, it's a good point. You know, the whole thing with, with the unlicensed legacy uh, retailers in New York, which I personally love, but – you got to acknowledge that as regulations emerge, these uh, these retailers will have to disappear. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. New York is somewhat being, you know, sentiment there is negative overall on how New York is rolling it out, probably because people are so fed up with waiting for just the federal market to do anything at all, federal, um, you know, legislative bodies to do anything at all. Um, Jake Kellenson, the New Jersey market remains hot and exciting. Indeed. I just just, I just posted a video on Twitter like 20 minutes ago uh, from the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference, which took place in Miami in April, where uh, Louis uh, Magazu from uh, mm-hmm. Magazu Law Great attorney. Uh, actually commended that the New Jersey uh, market saying New Jersey's cannabis evolution from medical to recreational offers major lessons. They've navigated the challenges of non-vertical integration, enabling cultivation, manufacturing, and retail under one license, a well-rolled-out process compared to other states. Do you agree or disagree with Magazu? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like Music is the, it makes the world go around, man. I don't know. What about you, Javi? I'm... I don't know. I, I tend I to agree. I agree with yeah. Lou. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think Lou is very smart. You know, I think nothing is ideal in this landscape uh, as it stands right now, but I do. I do agree with Lou. What do you guys think in the, in the, in the chat? Yep. Yeah. So Javi, real quick. Oh, I was just looking at something I was going to ask you. Uh, keep going. It'll come ECD? back to me. Aurora Cannabis sold a uh, facility uh, in, in, in Mountain View, I think in California, to Bevo Holdings for $10 million, taking a big hit because they originally acquired the facility in 2018 for $17.5 million. Uh, this is part of a larger restructuring uh, at Aurora Cannabis, looking to trim costs and reduce U.S. exposure. But, um, you know, Bevo- I liquidity but definitely not a great uh transaction overall if you acquire property in 2018 and are selling it five years later at a kind of like 40 percent loss yeah um you know with with bevo though they're not strictly cannabis are they they're uh, unless i found the wrong bevo i was looking at bevo farms earlier and it looked like they were like kind of a a seed and and um kind of ancillary grow partner to companies uh, on the vegetables and produce side. Um, so it's, it's an interesting sale, you know, it's no other cannabis company in Canada is, is really buying much with the exception of BZAM. Uh, and I haven't seen them acquire something in a few months. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but it, if they are selling to outside of cannabis, uh, to companies outside of cannabis, I would imagine that they're gonna have to do some work on the facility, which probably, you know, speaks to the massive um, uh, asset devaluation there uh, in the I mean, sale. I'm sure they will. It's I, I don't think the facility was particularly active. 
right? It the sun facility one. was what they called it, the sun facility. So I do have a question. I remember what I was going to say. I saw a really interesting um, post on LinkedIn, and this is, I'm catching Javi off guard, and he hates this, uh, and I love you, Javi. Uh, but I want your all's participation. Jake, uh, you know, William Christopher, uh, Brandon, if, you know, if you come on later, anybody else listening in the chat, do you think that if you work in cannabis, you should consume cannabis? Uh, do you have to consume cannabis to do a good job at working within cannabis? Not at all. Was this a question for me for the chat? Like, uh, I both. mean, both. Honestly, to me, not at all. Like, you know, it really depends on what you're doing. Of and course, Javi, you right? consume it, cannabis it, to clarify. I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. But having said this, I don't feel it's necessary. You don't have to be an expert on cannabis to work in cannabis. Having said this, it really depends on what your role is, right? If exactly. you are Where going. a master grower, maybe it would be good if, if you could, if, you know, if, you, if you're able to test your own products and decide, you know, if, if the quality is good enough, if you like the high, if you want to improve something, if you want to change cultivation methods, or if you want to change the cultivation medium or the nutrients uh, and, and fertilizers you're, you're um, using, um, here. Here uh, in the chat, Heath uh, says, I believe it is. It's a passion-driven industry first. Uh, I agree, but people can be passionate without uh, consuming it. People can be passionate about cannabis because it's uh, a tool for, you know, legalization is a tool for social justice and gender inclusion. Uh, it can love it because it's medicine for someone they love or for someone they care about. Uh, it doesn't necessarily entail that or, or mean that you have to um to consume cannabis uh many times even like when i'm i'm writing like you know nuanced business stories you know people will often go like well but what about the quality of the bud it's like well this is a business story this is not a a a bud review right you don't like mso's you don't like large producers go find your your craft cannabis there is enough of it out there um, and of course, different prices command different quality uh, points. Oh, I was just laughing at Heath. Uh, would you trust a skinny chef? You know what? My mom is skinny and she's a wonderful chef, Heath. Um, let, I trust my mother. Something. Let me ask you something. Imagine you're a chef but have certain allergies, right? Would you impose your allergies on everyone who goes to your restaurant? Would you never allow, I don't know, peanut or dairy in your in your restaurant it's, if you were lactose intolerant? It's well, it, it's somewhat of a of a of a correct analogy, but you know, I think ultimately what you said was beautiful. Uh, you can be passionate about other parts. You can be passionate about the people. Um, you know, I'm, you know, you can be passionate about the growth of these startups and the excitement my, that this I does for the economy. My, my passion but, for good cannabis is personal, right? What is, what, what matters to the public is my passion for the industry, for reporting, uh, you know, accurately for, uh, you know, the, 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 the societal benefits of legalization, whether or not I love a specific butter strain is not, uh, particularly important to my coverage, right? Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, though, I, I think it's worth clarifying that I agree with you. Some some positions you should consume <laughs> so that you know what product you're putting out there. I think it's an interesting debate if uh, CEOs should understand the quality of their product. Um, I don't think, I, I think there's 
pros and cons oh, for not it's really not you, cons. You can understand the but, quality of the product judging it by other metrics, right? Without smoking it. You right. can uh the consistency of the buds, the color, uh the presence of, of any contaminants or heavy metals, uh the the smell, the the actual you know um look that the bud has right like someone judging wine isn't actually drinking the wine for instance or someone's judging coffee they will take a sip and then spit it right uh because what they're judging is not how drunk they can get off that wine but the, the aroma, desired effect the yeah. terroir yeah the, how it makes you feel yeah it, you know javi i know i took us off off Woo. board there and he honestly your input's much appreciated man um Oh, you know, yeah, I, th- I think there's an point. argument to be made that consumption is a very important part of this industry. Um, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think it depends on where you sit in the industry. Indeed. I mean, and I get the point, like the other point, like, like the opposite point where, where people are pissed at corporate cannabis and, and the fact that, that many or some companies don't care so much about the quality of their products. It's a race to the bottom in terms of, of, of getting, you know, bigger margins or, or making the prices drop, right? I got a lot of that in, on a story I published last week. Um, but, you know, there's, there's space for everyone, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I thought you said it beautifully. I would agree with you. I don't think you have to consume to be in the industry. However, uh, it, it depends on the job, and, you know, for us to trust you uh, and the product you're putting out and the product okay. really you're selling, right? You know, you know, for marketers, I, I think there's a valid point to be made. What are you marketing? Do you know? Oh, yeah. I, I would definitely want like my bud tender to to consume so that they can tell me what I'm what I'm, you know, going to consume. Um, I think same as, you know, a sommelier at a restaurant. If like they told me, hey, I don't drink wine. And it's like, OK, this is weird. Can you tell us more about right this brand? Yeah, we have a brand launching in California. Tell us more about it, man. Let's get some visibility on it. We love new companies, love new brands. Com. Yes. Um, all right, Javi, um, we have a few more minutes here. Why don't you dive into a quick round, Robin? What else you're watching today? Any other stocks we should be hitting? Yeah. Uh, 22nd Century Group, that is double X, double I, X, X, I, I. Uh, it's a research and development company in the industry, of course, has imp- appointed an interim CEO, Andrew Arno. A big shout out to Arno. He's a seasoned financial executive with over 20 years of experience in the cannabis industry. uh, And he is also a member of the board of uh, uh, 22nd Century. And in addition to to the appointment of this new interim CEO, the company announced the implementation of a $15 million cost cost reduction uh, initiative um, designed to simplify operations and reduce costs uh, across the company. My question is, is that a euphemism for layoffs? Cost cutting, generally, yes. <laughs> that is exactly what that means amongst other items. I would be shocked at this point if they didn't. At least a few. Is that just me? No, man. But I will say, guys, like, it sucks. Like, I, I mean, the, the firing sucks, you know, and these these companies are at fault for overhiring and overexpanding, um, right? You know, and, and really not being efficient in their operations. The companies are still at fault. I'm not saying that. However, some of this is a correction of just being efficient, right? So, you know, really what I'm saying is the health of the business, you have to look at more than just that number and more than just mm-hmm. that stat. I mean, Javi, tell me if you think I'm wrong. No, 
No, no, no, not at all. I just, um, I understand that the survival of a business, you ultimately benefits a larger number of people uh, than those affected by layoffs. Uh, but you'll, but you have to like look at it from both sides, right? There, there, there's also people and families affected by poor decision making on the corporate level. Uh, of course, a not correcting this would imply that then, like maybe the entire staff would be laid off a few months later because they ran out of money, right? And that is a a worse outcome, right? I mean, you guys want to see something like that happen? Go find the uh, the Fiore cannabis press release from last October or November where literally the paragraph was um, all board, all directors and C-suite have resigned. Uh, every employee has been fired. <laughs> like that was the press release. Insane. It's insane. Um, Heath Koresh, it's called Spanky Doodle Dandy's Sweet Treats, grown and made in Sonoma County, releasing the Yahoo Mountain Bars. That's exciting, man. Congratulations. What a time to be launching a business, but I bet you're launching it uh, in a very, very in- incredible way. Um, so thank you, you know, keep us updated. We'd love to update our audience on how that rolls out. Uh, luxury driven, single strain edible bars made with Sonoma Hills farm inputs. Mm, nice. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Heath, can we come visit you? Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> let's go out. see Heath in Sonoma Hills. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. All right, Javi, five more minutes, man. Do a quick like round robin and then let's, let's wrap up. I don't like this comment. LinkedIn is on fire today. What's going on? <laughs> cool people are on LinkedIn. That's what's happening. That's awesome, man. Jake, thanks for your input. Uh, what else is on my mind? This is a very interesting one. There's this uh, There's this U.S. senator um, uh, called John Kennedy, who is a Republican, um, who introduced a bill that would give social media companies the power to scam private conversations for keywords related to the sale of illicit drugs. Uh, of course, he is encountering uh, considerable opposition. Uh, it is unclear still if the bill will be passed into law. It's still being debated in the Senate. But honestly, concerning, concerning, because it's a slippery slope, right? I am not saying, hey, we should be selling illicit drugs on social media. I am not saying social media is, isn't responsible for what happens on their platforms. I mean, but I, would, I will certainly say this is a very slippery slope when you start allowing the government to, uh, you know, cherry pick topics that they think are sensitive and monitor private um, conversations. The, the only exception being, you know, like terrorism related stuff, right? Because, you know, that's a law already in America. Whether you know, though, like- I, I completely agree with you. I think my surprise and, and you know, we all have our, our political opinions. You all lean one way or the other. If you're an independent and you're a moderate, I, I respect you. Um, you know, it's hard to do that these days with so much coming at you content wise. But it is interesting that, you know, generally the small federal government party, um, <laughs> the, the, you know, the more freedom party is the one introducing this bill. Um, uh, it, I am not surprised. I know you're not surprised. Not we know surprised. where you sit. I try and hide mine. The, the, but, the thought of small government many times I've seen this in America only applies to to the things that that work for them, right? So small government like implies not South helping America? out people or not subsidizing health or education, but no problem spending trillions on on defense, right? Or getting into people's well. Uh, let, let's stay focused on the topic here. <laughs> um, but that being said, 
you know, I, I mean, TikTok no longer available in Montana, right? Um, you know, and GOP led, Republican led. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Is this something that you're okay with? If this what, is strictly is it not available for kids or generally? It generally. Huh. Um, yeah. So uh, you're no longer able to communicate with Montanans uh, via TikTok. That said, that's what's interesting to me about this bill. I am on board with fighting it um, uh, with Ron Wyden. However, if they could more so hone this into fentanyl and, and like make it very specific. But then again, like how do you stop the screening there? I agree with you. Slippery slope. And I think that's what will eventually kill this bill. So what's this, um, this new substance that is non-opiate? It's, um, they call it the zombie drug. It's um, trank, trantope. Have you heard of it? Um, I mean, no, <laughs> no. It's messed up. So there's a new substance that is not an opioid ravishing communities in America. Um, if you're looking for help or oh. know anyone who needs help, do reach out uh, and we'll recommend some, some good assistance programs. Perfect. Um, all right. Awesome. William Christopher, Heath Koresh, Jake Kellenson, Brandon Lee, when you tune back in, really appreciate all of you all tuning in. Your all's input is what makes this show great. You know, send us your stocks that you're watching. Send us your thoughts on the industry. We try it. We don't want to sunshine pump this industry. There's a lot of realism uh, that we need to make sure we're keeping hold of. But we also want to make sure we're, we're giving you the opportunity to see, you know, what's happening and what's trending up, what, you know, what's exciting about it as well. So what you want to hear matters to us. Let us know uh, who you want to hear from matters to us. Let us know. And with that said, Javi, um, any last words, man? We're, we're at time yeah. here. BZCannabis.com for our next event in Chicago, Illinois, September 27th and 28th. The governors of Illinois and the U.S. Virgin Islands will be speaking. Uh, all of your you know, MSOs will have a lot of cool OG brands like Alien Labs will be there, uh, Raw Garden, Stizzy, Jeter. Uh, it's going to be a really, I think, well-versed event. So we hope you all can make it bzcannabis.com. Javier, last words to you, my brother. I was, uh, you know, actually thinking about harm reduction. And uh, I want to recommend Fireside's uh, psychedelic peer support line that provides free confidential and anonymous support to people who are using or considering using psychedelics. Uh, the line is staffed uh, by trained volunteers who have personal experience with psychedelics. They also, Fireside's also offers a variety of educational resources about psychedelics, including harm reduction information. So, uh, I don't know, just came to mind. Again, Firesides. Perfect. Yeah, cool Firesides. Love it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. We will see you again on Thursday, where we bring in a couple of your product and operations leads from Forefront Ventures. Uh, we'll see you again one Eastern time Thursday. Until then, tune into Cannabis Daily every morning around 8.15, 8.30 a.m., uh, same place. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.